Chapter 9 of The Wonderful History of Peter Schlemiel, The Man Who Lost His Shadow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley M. The Wonderful History of Peter Schlemiel, The Man Who Lost His Shadow, by Adelbert von Chamisso, translated by Frederick Henry Hedge. Chapter 9 I sat there without shadow and without money, but a heavy weight was taken from my bosom. I was calm. Had I lost my love, or had I, in that loss, felt myself free from blame, I believed that I should have been happy, but I knew not, however, what I should do. I examined my pockets. I found yet several gold pieces there. I counted them and laughed. I had my horses below at the inn. I was ashamed of returning thither. I must, at least, wait till the sun was gone down. It stood yet high in the heaven. I laid myself down in the shade of the nearest trees and fell calmly asleep. Lovely shapes blended themselves before me in charming dance into a pleasing dream. Mina with a flower wreath in her hair floated by me and smiled kindly upon me. The noble Bendel also was crowned with flowers and went past with a friendly greeting. I saw many besides, and I believed thee too, Chamiso, in the distant throng. A bright light appeared, but no one had a shadow, and what was stranger it had by no means a bad effect. Flowers and songs, love and joy, under groves of palm. I could neither hold fast nor single out the moving, lightly floating, lovable forms, but I knew that I dreamed such a dream with joy, and was careful to avoid waking. I was already awake, but still kept my eyes closed in order to retain the fading apparition longer before my soul. I finally opened my eyes. The sun stood still high in the heaven, but in the east. I had slept through the night. I took it for a sign that I should not return to the inn. I gave up readily as lost what I yet possessed there, and determined to strike on foot into a neighboring path, which led along the wood-grown foot of the mountains leaving it to fate to fulfill what had yet in store for me. I looked not behind me, and thought not even of applying to Bendel, whom I left rich behind me, and which I could readily have done. I considered the new character which I should support in the world. My dress was very modest. I had on an old black garment, which I had already worn in Berlin, and which, I know not how, had first come again into my hands for this journey. I had also a travelling cap on my head, a pair of old boots on my feet. I arose and cut me on the spot a knotty stick as a memorial, and advanced at once on my wandering. I met in the wood an old peasant who greeted me in a friendly manner, and with whom I entered into conversation. I inquired, like an inquisitive traveller, first the way, then about the country and its inhabitants, the productions of the mountains, and many such things. He answered my questions sensibly and loquaciously. We came to the bed of a mountain torrent, which had spread its devastations over a wide tract of the forest. I shuddered involuntarily at the sun-bright space, and allowed the countryman to go first, but in the midst of this dangerous spot he stood still and turned to relate to me the history of this desolation. He saw immediately my defect, and paused in the midst of his discourse. But how does that happen? The gentleman has actually no shadow. Alas, alas, replied I, sighing, during a long and severe illness my hair, nails, and shadow fell off. 
see father at my age my hair which is renewed again is quite white the nails very short and the shadow that will never grow again ay ay responded the old man shaking his head no shadow that is bad that was a bad illness that the gentleman had but he continued not his narrative and at the next crossway which presented itself he left me without saying a word bitter tears trembled anew upon my cheeks and my cheerfulness was gone i pursued my way with a sorrowful heart and sought no further the society of men i kept myself in the darkest wood and was many a time compelled in order to pass over a space where the sun shone to wait for whole hours lest some human eye should forbid me the transit in the evening i sought for a small inn in the villages i went particularly in quest of a mine in the mountains where i hoped to get work under the oath since besides that my present situation made it imperative that i should provide for my support i had discovered that the most active labor alone could protect me from my own annihilating thoughts a few rainy days advanced me well on the way but at the expense of my boots whose soles had been calculated for the graf peter and not for the pedestrian laborer i was already barefoot i must procure a pair of new boots the next morning i transacted this business with much gravity in a village where was held a wake and where in a booth old and new boots stood for sale i selected and bargained long i was forced to deny myself a new pair which i would gladly have had but the extravagant demand frightened me i therefore contented myself with an old pair which were yet good and strong and which the handsome blond-haired boy who kept the stall for present cash payment handed to me with a friendly smile and wished me good luck on my journey i put them on at once and left the place by the northern gate i was sunk very deep in my thoughts and scarcely saw where i set my feet for i was pondering on the mine which i hoped to reach by evening and where i hardly knew how i should propose myself i had not advanced two hundred strides when i observed that i had got out of the way i therefore looked round me and found myself in a wild and ancient forest where the axe appeared never to have been wielded i pressed forward still a few steps and beheld myself in the midst of desert rocks which were overgrown only with moss and lichens and between which lay fields of snow and ice the air was intensely cold i looked round the wood had vanished behind me i took a few strides more and around me reigned the silence of death the ice on which i stood extended itself boundlessly and a thick heavy fog rested on it the sun stood blood-red on the edge of the horizon the cold was insupportable i knew not what had happened to me the benumbing frost compelled me to hasten my steps i heard alone the roar of distant waters a step and i was on the ice margin of an ocean innumerable herds of seals plunged rushing before me in the flood i pursued the shore i saw naked rocks land birch and pine forests i now advanced for a few minutes right onwards it was stifling hot i looked around i stood amongst beautifully cultivated rice fields and beneath mulberry trees i seated myself in their shade i looked at my watch i had left the market town only a quarter of an hour before i fancied that i dreamed i bit my tongue to awake myself i closed my eyes in order to collect my thoughts i heard before me singular accents pronounced through the nose i looked up two chinese unmistakable from their asiatic form of countenance if indeed i would have given no credit to their costume addressed me in their speech with the accustomed salutations of their country i arose and stepped two paces backward i saw them no more 
the landscape was totally changed trees and forests instead of rice fields i contemplated these trees and the plants which bloomed around me which i recognized as the growth of southeastern asia i wished to approach one of these trees one step and again all was changed i marched now like a recruit who is drilled and strode slowly and with measured steps wonderfully diversified lands rivers meadows mountain chains steps deserts of sand unrolled themselves before my astonished eyes there was no doubt of it i had seven leaked boots on my feet end of chapter nine recording by ashley m